And now, a warrior for the Word of God and the Constitution of the United States, a Marine Corps veteran, a Harvard-trained attorney, Bishop of the Called Churches, and founder and president of STAND, staying true to America's national destiny, the voice of the awakening, your host, Bishop E. W. Jackson. And I am he. Great to be with you again today. And I hope that you're enjoying it. I hope that it's a beautiful day for you. Whatever the issues, whatever the problems, God's got you. The Bible says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. And he does. He absolutely does. You know, no matter what the, 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 the challenge that we're facing some of which may loom too large for us. You look at the things going on in our country, and each of us has got to feel, wow, <laughs> there's nothing that I as an individual can on my own do to, to change any of this. I can play my part. I can participate with others. I can certainly make my voice heard. But in the end, it's just bigger than I am. But it's not bigger than God is. He is on the throne and he does control the outcome of human history. It is in his hands. Let there be no mistake about that. You know, some people, I think, have the mistaken view that, well, God is in control of everything, and therefore anything that happens, it's God's will. That's not true. That's just not true. It's categorically untrue. Because the Bible makes clear that there are many things that are the will of God that don't happen. But I'll tell you one thing. Satan's not going to outsmart God. He's not going to win. He's not going to, to um, checkmate God. That's not going to happen. So he can make all the moves he wants. God is infinitely ahead of him. And so the, the outcome of all of this, all of the chaos, all of the upheaval, all of the confusion, all of the, the perversion, uh, all of the, the, the lawlessness, which the Bible talks about, all of that. God's bringing all of that under control. He's bringing all of that under submission to him. You know, think about this. And look, we have the here and now to deal with. And, and believe me, I think you all know that I'm a person who believes in dealing with the here and now. I'm, I'm not one of these people who, as they say, who is so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. <laughs> you, know, you don't want to be that. But on the other hand... I do from time to time find myself contemplating the world in which there are no police, there are no doctors, there are no hospitals, there are no counselors because there are no problems. There are no funeral homes because there are no deaths. Um, there, there is no medicine because there is no sickness. Uh, there, there, there is no need to apologize or be forgiven because there is no offense. A world without sin. God is going to do that. What, what Karl Marx and, and Frederick Engels and, and uh, Vladimir Lenin and, and uh, Stalin and Mao Zedong and, and uh, Fidel Castro and Pol Pot and Ho Chi Minh and all of these two-bit gangsters who have operated under the guise of being revolutionary leaders and communists who offer utopia and give people monstrous horror, starvation, 
mass murder, genocide, under the guise of this is what's necessary to get us to that utopia we're going to give you. They are all counterfeits. They are all pretenders to a throne that they don't have because they're all telling everybody when they start these revolutions that they're going to give you, in effect, the kingdom of God just without God. They'll be your God, thank you very much. And uh, they'll do a much better job than the true and the living God, okay? And it, 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 what has it done at every turn? It has collapsed in on them. It simply will not work. And that's why I'm not worried about communist China. Because the system itself is so inherently flawed that it will ultimately collapse in on its own weight. Now, that doesn't mean we don't oppose it because it's inherently evil. That doesn't mean we don't call it out. That doesn't mean we don't have great sympathy for the people who are victimized by it. But it means we don't have to, to be worried about it. It doesn't mean that we're not prepared for the possibility that they will take aggressive action against the United States of America. We better be prepared to repel it. Okay? So here again, we're not so heavily minded that we're no earthly good. But we have to remember that the God we serve cannot be defeated. And when we're standing on his word, his truth, on faith in him, neither can we. Not in any ultimate sense. So in spite of it all, folks, um, rejoice. <laughs> you know, rejoice. We've read the front, the middle, and the back of the book, and the story is always the same. We win. Well, look, um, the Kyle Rittenhouse jury has asked the judge for additional uh, ability to do some things. One of the things they want to do is to see this video, which, by the way, was withheld from uh, the jury by the prosecution. It, but it's apparently a very clear digital video, which shows something that the jury wants to see. The prosecution withheld it because they believe that it would demonstrate that Kyle Rittenhouse was not provoking and was not the cause of the confrontation, that he was in fact a victim of the confrontation and acted therefore in self-defense. This particular piece of video apparently was not shown or, or shared with the defense, which is a, a, a gross violation of prosecutorial uh, responsibility. Uh, it, it is it is prosecutorial misconduct to withhold best evidence from the other side. You've got to completely share the evidence that you have. It's a search for justice, not a search to punish uh, or to, to incarcerate somebody no matter what. It's a search for justice. And the theory is that two gladiators get into the ring, meaning the, the prosecu prosecutor and the defense attorney get into the ring, and fight it out honestly, bringing to bear all the facts that they can muster, no lying, uh, no cheating, no withholding of information. You put that information before the trier of fact, which in this case is the jury, and they make a decision to a moral certainty as to, as to the guilt or innocence of that particular defendant. That's the way it's supposed to work. When either side starts cheating, you get a skewed outcome. And the sad thing is, in our culture today, folks, and this is something that's got to be corrected with George Soros 
buying prosecutors who are more interested in using the prosecutorial office as a political weapon against their ideological enemies than they are in pursuing justice for victims and the proper punishment for those who commit crimes and victimize others, uh, that puts us in a very dangerous position. I've said, I think I said this yesterday, we've got to, in our culture, to maintain a stable society, we've got to be able to rely on the integrity of our elections and the fairness of our criminal justice system. It doesn't have to be perfect, but we've got to know that it's fundamentally fair, that it's not seeking uh, to grind an ax to to the detriment of some person because of their, their political views. It is simply seeking justice based upon our criminal statutes. That's it. That's all. I think these prosecutors are really on a vendetta because they don't agree with Kyle uh, Rittenhouse politically. And I hope they get slapped down good by the judge and the jury. Back in a moment. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. A recent research paper concluded that first responders are more likely to die by suicide than in the line of duty. The Rudman White Paper on Mental Health and Suicide of First Responders is a chilling look at the sobering statistics of the lives of men and women who protect us each day. The paper explains that police and firefighters, when compared to the general civilian population, are at a heightened risk for depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, and suicide. We should remember that people in these professions have front row seats to the horrendous aftermath of natural disasters, terrorist attacks, and violent domestic disputes, traffic accidents, and more. In fact, one study concluded that police officers witness 188 critical incidents during their career. No wonder their rates of PTSD and depression are as much as five times higher than the rates within the general population. Another reason for suicide is the reality that so many first responders have prior military experience. That means they are piling onto their career more incidents after already having a previous career rife with trauma. They may be strong, brave, and resilient, but they are only human. Another concern is the unwillingness for men and women in these professions to seek help. Often they want to avoid the shame and stigma that might come when they ask for counseling. And these same barriers often prevent families from talking openly about the suicide of a loved one. One obvious solution is to break the silence that surrounds this issue of first responder mental health. That is why I wrote this commentary. We need to support our first responders and ask them to get help so that they can continue to keep us safe. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. For a free copy of Kirby's booklet, A Biblical View on Critical Race Theory, go to viewpoints.info slash CRT. Steve Russo with Real Answers. How good is your word? When you give it to others, consider it as good as done. When you make a vow, do your friends take you seriously or do they laughingly dismiss your words as yet another empty promise? Your word is a great indicator of your character. If people don't take what you say seriously, you probably aren't very trustworthy. 
Sometimes people want to be respected so much, they make statements like, as God is my witness. They think that if they bring in the weight of heaven with their statements, it gives their words more credibility. The Bible says your word ought to be enough. If you have to back up what you say with swear words and phrases, then your own reputation isn't worth much. So again, how seriously do people take you when you tell them something? Does your life back up what you say? For more Real Answers, visit the Real Answers website, www.realanswers.com. When you die, are you going to heaven or not? You can know for sure. Heaven or not. Net. The Awakening. The Awakening. Download and listen at your leisure with the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to our host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we had Matt Staver, who is the founder, chairman, senior pastor of Liberty Council, which is a legal organization that defends the First Amendment rights of Americans. And they're involved in a class action lawsuit in behalf of some Navy SEALs, which could impact every military person. In fact, some of you called me and I've referred you to Liberty Council, said they're the people you need to call uh, if you're caught in the vice of this vaccine mandate. So Matt Staver is back as my guest today. Matt, thanks for coming back. We wanted to follow up with you and see how you're making out and, and uh, what's what's going on in the courts today. Well, good to be with you, Bishop. And uh, we just had a hearing on Monday uh, with regards to this case on behalf of members of military, federal employees, and civilian contractors. That went all day on Monday, November uh, the 15th. And so we're waiting on a ruling that we should have by at least next Monday, November 22. We don't know which way the judge is going in his decision, but we will find out. And if it's not the right decision, uh, from our perspective, we can always appeal it quickly through the appellate chain and ultimately up to the U.S. Supreme Court if necessary. But we're praying that that's not the case. We're praying that we actually have an injunction uh, because November 22 is the final deadline for these federal empl- uh, civilian uh, for these federal employees. Um, and if they don't have the shots, and that looks at two weeks before that, they have to be quote fully vaccinated two weeks before that. Then they're being terminated. In fact, on Monday, one of the uh, civilian contractors was terminated on Monday, November 15, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. He had to turn in all of his paperwork and his badge and leave the premises. So it is dire, and especially for the military, those uh, deadlines are coming up at the end of November, early December. And these, what we found, uh, Bishop, is last week, Friday, uh, just uh, the Friday before the Monday hearing, the Department of Justice had to produce all this information from the various branches of the military. And that was that court order. And based upon that information, they've had 16,643 religious exemption requests that they have record of. There's probably more. And zero, zero approvals. Every one of them have been denied. Every single one. So it's very clear that they are discriminating based upon religion, and they are denying them across the board, which is not a surprise, because that's, in fact, what our military member clients and plaintiffs are telling us across the board. Yeah, I I have uh, some military people who've approached me, and one church member who've approached me dealing with the same kind of thing. 
Now, look, is there any hope this Fifth Circuit apparently made a decision which I guess doesn't necessarily affect you, but or at least legally, but I've heard talk of consolidation of cases and this sort of thing. Does any of that bear on your case? Uh, not necessarily, because the Fifth Circuit case is a great decision, 3-0, to zero, came out last Friday late afternoon. And uh, now it's going to be before the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals because of a odd situation in the statute, federal law, that requires a lottery if there's multiple appeals like this, and there are. So that's going to also be before the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals, and they'll have a three-judge panel there that will pick it up from where the Fifth Circuit Court just left off with a great decision. But that is regarding the OSHA mandate, and the OSHA mandate applies to employers that have 100 or more employees. So that's a large number of employers and a large number of employees, but it's not going to affect uh, the federal employees or the civilian contractors because they're under a different mandate from Biden, and it's not going to affect the military members because they're under a different mandate from Biden as well. Now, there's this thought that military people give up a lot when they join the military and to some extent surrender certain constitutional prerogatives that they might have. I mean, you you don't have absolute freedom of speech because when you're in the military, there's certain things you can't say that could violate the chain of command, this kind of thing. Does that argument hold any water in this case? Well, you know, certainly there is that on the one hand, but on the other hand, they don't give up their constitutional rights, and they don't give up their federal rights under the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. And that law, by the Supreme Court's own terms, is a, quote, super statute, really supersedes all other statutes. So when you're in the military, for example, you don't give up your right to free exercise of religion. So consequently, that's really what we're dealing with here. First Amendment rights to free exercise of religion, Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which is a very strong law protecting religious beliefs and practice, you don't give that up. And you don't agree to become a, an experimental guinea pig either. And these men and women in the military are being forced against their will. They can't just give their two weeks' notice and walk off and find another job. Uh, if they refuse uh, by even giving a religious exemption request, that's being treated in the military as though they're violating a lawful order. And in fact, the orders are frankly unlawful. The consequences for having it classified as such is severe penalties. In fact, the Navy just came out with a new directive that for enlisted individuals, not only would you be separated, discharged, lose your VA and GI benefits, but also have to pay back your educational benefits that you have seen. So if you've gone through four years of college while you're in the military, you have to pay all that back. If you're stationed, say, in a foreign country, you have to get your way back home at your own expense. And there's other things for training. The cost that the military has put in your personal training, you have to personally pay that back. So it's a very serious issue. And consequently, they're forcing people with that incredible pressure and abuse to literally disobey God and violate their conscience. And that is unlawful. And, yeah, and you're right. That is abusive because that, that is just draconian punishment to force people to conform. Uh, and I, I'm just, I, I, it, it really bothers me deeply that these honorable military people serving honorably 
clean records, no problems for the most part. Now suddenly they're they're criminals, they're pariahs. I mean, and and are are they still being threatened with the possibility of getting less than an honorable discharge if they do manage to kick them out? Well, they're being uh, left in the possibility of being put in a dishonorable discharge or a discharge with uh, not honor. And so that has real serious consequences, not only on their benefits, but also on the things that I just mentioned with regards to having to pay back things. Uh, pay back your, you know, your three or four years of college tuition. Pay back the cost of training. For pilots, it costs 5 to $10 million apiece to train these pilots. Now, these men and women in the military, they've sacrificed everything. And now they're being uh, threatened with, if you don't get this shot, you'll be discharged, you'll lose all these benefits, and you're going to have to pay back millions of dollars of money to the uh, United States military. Yeah, not to mention, Matt, that it's a lifetime stigma to have served in the military and to be discharged with less than an honorable discharge. Yeah, even if it's less than an honorable discharge, let alone, you know, if it's even the more egregious one, dishonorable discharge. When you go apply for a job... Uh, or you do any background checks, that'll come up. So it really is a not only a huge stigma, but a huge impediment to your getting hired in the private sector. Say, for example, you wanted to use your expertise and work for a federal civilian contractor that actually produces uh, objects, products, military equipment for the military. Uh, and if you have then come from that background, you're you're going to be disqualified because of that mark on your record. Matt, is this a case of the first impression? Have you ever, and then you've got a long and illustrious legal career practicing before the Supreme Court of the United States. Have you ever seen anything like this? Is this, is this unique and new? And what, what does it say about where we are in our country? It really is unique and new. Now, we had, under George W. Bush, we had the anthrax vaccine that uh, wanted to be pushed on the military, and uh, it was, but there was resistance, and there was a court case that ultimately intervened. Um, but what ultimately happened is some men and women in the military that did get the anthrax vaccine before that happened, uh, they have been injured. But nothing like this. Nothing like this across all military branches where everybody has to get the shot, where you're being threatened with a violation of a lawful order, and the consequences of that, which flow from that, where you're being threatened that you'll lose all your benefits, that you'll be separated, and that you'll have to even pay back your education as well as your training costs, and even your transportation home. I mean, that's unbelievable. So you have some people that are stationed in some of these foreign hotspots on remote military bases, and now they've got to get their own transportation from there back to where they live in the United States at their own cost? I mean, that's outrageous. Never seen anything like that. So it is unprecedented. Yeah, that, that's downright cruel. Well, Matt, when you get this decision, you said you, you're expecting it probably on Monday. Uh, we're going to call your office and, and schedule you to come back and explain to us what happened and what the next steps are, if any, uh, but, man, I'll tell you what, uh, everybody listening right now, every military person, every parent who's got somebody in the military is grateful to you because there's so many men and women who are affected by this and think, you know, their lives could be ruined by what's going on in the military right now. So thank God for you stepping in and giving them some sort of legal redress. Uh, 
So, and that well, people, to, if they need to contact you, lc.org, correct? lc.org is the website, lc.org. Okay. All right. Matt, keep up the good work, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. God bless you. God bless. Bye-bye. Folks, this is serious. We'll be back in a moment. It's my turn. Here is your host for my turn, Don Wildman. The city slicker had just driven up to the country store. He noticed a group of men sitting on one side of the store's porch engaged in a game of checkers. On the other side of the porch was a fellow sitting in a rocking chair. The city slicker, who was at the store to make a big sale and turn a nice profit, decided he would go over and speak to the man in the chair. The man, who was enjoying a good chew of tobacco, had an old hound dog lying on the floor beside him. The city slicker, knowing something of the love that country people have for their dogs, decided that the way to impress the man in the chair was to be nice to the man's dog. So he walked over to where the man was sitting. Howdy, mister, the city slicker said. Does your dog bite, he asked. Nope, replied the man, giving a good strong spit of his chewing tobacco. The city slicker reached down to pat the dog on the head. The dog responded by biting the man's hand off. Finally, when the other men managed to get the dog off the city slicker, he spoke to the man in the chair again. I thought you said that your dog didn't bite, the city slicker said. The country fellow, still sitting in his chair, gave another healthy tobacco spit and then spoke. My dog don't bite. That ain't my dog. One of the tragedies of our age is our unwillingness to be helpful when we can. We see people who are headed for trouble, people whom we could be helpful to, and we simply make no effort to assist them. The Italian poet Dante once had this to say about such people. He who sees a need and waits to be asked for help is as unkind as if he had refused it. Our generation is seemingly being influenced heavily by this policy of non-involvement. We see places where we could help, where our help is needed, and we turn away with the thought that that's none of my business. And that thought, that attitude is totally false. If you can be of help to your fellow man, and he needs your help, then it's some of your business. We're all part of the family of man, and that makes us all brothers and sisters. Our reason for being in the world is to make a difference, to make it better that we are here. And the finest way we can do that is to lend assistance where and when we can, to have an opportunity to do good. And to fail to take advantage of that opportunity is a reflection of a tragic flaw in our moral character. Non-involvement is a self-defeating attitude because the time will come for each of us when we ourselves will need the assistance of another. The Apostle Paul once wrote, Be kind to each other. You know, that's still good sound advice today. And the carpenter himself said, Treat others as you would want them to treat you. From experience, let me say that that advice takes precedent over a policy of non-involvement any day of the week. In other words, if it isn't your dog, 
tell a man so. This has been My Turn with Don Wildman, a production of the American Family Association. The Awakening. The Awakening. Download and listen at your leisure with the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to our host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. So, with regard to these so-called vaccine mandates, these ordered, commanded shots, uh, particularly for those of you in the military, for those of you who have loved ones in the military, son, daughter, friend, cousin, you know, whoever, who is struggling with this right now, who doesn't want to get the shot, but is being threatened with things as cruel as you you may be stationed in a remote location and you're being told, we're going to kick you out and then you'll have to make your own way home. I mean, folks, that, that's, that's, not, that's not decency and order. That is draconian uh, punishment. Really, it's, it's, a kind of, it's a kind of torturing people. It's a kind of, of intimidating people. It, it, it should be beneath the dignity of our military to treat our people that way. My goodness, we, we're prepared to give $450,000 to illegal immigrants for breaking our laws. And we're going to punish military people who have served this country honorably and well by leaving them in the lurch and saying, hey, make your own way home. You didn't want to take the shot, so now we're going to treat you like a criminal. It, it's, it is really preposterous, folks. So go to lc.org if you want to uh, plug in with Matt Staver in this lawsuit. But look, I'm encouraged. Help is on the way. Uh, the Fifth Circuit decision was very encouraging. Uh, as you all know, the Fifth Circuit put a, a, an absolute permanent injunction on the Biden administration enforcing the laws of OSHA. Now, you got many of these stupid CEOs who are going to go forward with this ridiculous mandate anyway instead of testing people and allowing people to make their own decisions about whether they want to take the shot. Uh, they, they, they're, uh, I, I don't know what to say about them, but it's, it, it is utterly ridiculous. And, and these are people who don't, they're not in touch with what it means to be an American. They're not in touch with who we are as free people. Look, I want to start taking your calls uh, because we're going to get to some other issues, but I'm sure you all will bring some of them up. I certainly want to see your take on on how things are unfolding, the the continuing push for these mandates. And now, of course, they're, they're going to want to do the same thing with booster shots. As you all know, they're, they're already talking about mandates. Did you all hear Bill de Blasio say, you're welcome to come to the New Year's Eve celebration in Times Square? All you'll need is an ID, a picture ID and a vaccine card. Yeah, yeah. Look, you you can vote without a picture ID because to to require you to have a picture ID to vote, that's racist. But if you want to come to Times Square and, and, you know, go to to, uh, uh, some uh, a party, in which a lot of people will just be engaging in drunken revelry. Oh, no, you got to have a picture ID card to do that. I mean, that's important stuff. Voting, ah, eh, who needs that? Who needs, a, who needs an ID to vote? But you want to party with New York's Hoy Polloi on New Year's Eve in Times Square? Yeah, you need two IDs. You need a vaccine card to prove that you've been vaccinated. And you need a picture ID to prove that you are, in fact, the person who claims to have been vaccinated. 
Now, you know, you're talking about being backwards, folks. Wow. Look, let me take a moment here. I'll come to your calls in a second. But let me take a moment here uh, to remind you all that we are in the season of uh, our wonderful Operation Christmas Child project and, and supporting Samaritan's person in what they're doing to get the gospel of Jesus Christ out to children around the world. So all you need is a shoebox. You can either send for one with them or you can just you know, create one with yourself. Just a standard size shoebox will do it. And um, just fill it up with things like stuffed animals, soccer ball, pump, uh, soccer ball with a pump. You want to make sure if it's a collapsed soccer ball that you can they can pump it up or an outfit of clothes or hygiene items or school supplies or, or any kind of fun toy. And uh, you can go to the website, SamaritanPurse.org slash OCC, SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC, to learn more about the kind of gifts you can give and, and where to drop them off. Remember, we're close now. We're only, what's today, the 17th. We're only five days away from drop-off day. Now, some people, if your church is involved, uh, some churches, uh, Central Baptist Church in Kannapolis, for example, where I was, they were collecting the shoeboxes themselves. Uh, so you, know, you, can, you can work it out with your church, your pastor, if they're participating, or you can just do this on your own. But go to their website uh, to do it. But, folks, this, this is what the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. And that's what this is seeking to do, using this opportunity to get the gospel of Jesus Christ out uh, to these children who we know desperately need it. They're in remote parts of the world where they don't enjoy the freedom uh, that we have. And the, the freedom that they really need is, is to be found in Christ Jesus. That's where it starts anyway. Uh, again, the number is 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. Uh, and I'll, I'll be happy to start taking your calls here in a second as they come in. We've got open lines right now. Uh, but let me get back to a couple of other issues that I wanted to raise with you today. You, this, this, this is one that just irks me to no end. A convicted felon attacked a New York City police officer on Sunday and was released without bail I believe yesterday. Yeah. They I think he was he was held for two or three days and was released without bail. Uh oh but but it's supervised release. Oh, that doesn't sound too bad. He only he only attacked a police officer. He hit the police officer in the head with a backpack, and the backpack was filled with a number of different uh metal objects. So it's not as if he he just um you know, hit him on the head with a, with a pillow. Uh, it was filled with a number of heavy metal objects. Uh, I think a DVD player was one. Uh, a metal safe was in that backpack. A small metal safe was in it. Um, this is serious, serious stuff. And he tried to kill this officer, Keo Sun Lee, 30 years old, tried to kill him, beat him over the head, beat him to death. Well, the interesting thing is that this guy, his name is Isis Thompson, was in prison for having tried to kill a police officer from 2010 to 2012, having stabbed a police officer six 
times and the officer almost died. Praise God, he survived it, but he almost died. This guy got five years, three suspended. He served two and was right back out on the street again. Now he attacks another police officer and he's right back out on the street again. You, you see what I mean about our criminal justice system now seems to be more about a political agenda than it is about justice for the American people. This guy belongs behind bars. He should have gotten, in my view, 10 or 15 years for having almost murdered a cop, at least 10 or 15 years, and, and should have served every bit of it. And, and by the way, what is it now, if that had happened, he would have still been in jail. If he just got 10 years, well, 10 years, he would have been, well, okay, 15. Say if he got 15 and he was locked up in 2010, he would have still been in jail. But oh no, he's been out for a good long time. And now he attacks another police officer and he's out in literally three days. No bail. Something is very very, very wrong. I mean, this this is what's taken over our criminal justice system. And here we got Kyle Rittenhouse on trial for his life. And look, you and I know, and I can say this, folks, because I am black and because, of course, it's the truth. You and I know that if this had been a situation where a BLM activist had shot three white people during riots who had tried to attack him, he wouldn't even have gotten charged. Are you kidding me? He wouldn't even have gotten charged. You know it and I know it. This is about a political agenda. They smeared Kyle Rittenhouse, tried to make him into a white supremacist, which he is not. Tried to make him into a, vig a vigilante, which he is not. And tried to say he was an active shooter at the riot who went there to kill people, which the evidence shows he did not. Stand by. Back in a moment. I interviewed family counselor Dr. Kathy Cook about practical ways that families can overcome too much technology in the home. Be a tech-wise family in a tech-driven world. An article by Rebecca Davis. She just gave really great practical ideas about replacing that technology. It becomes easier for your family to actually engage with each other instead of with the screen that's in front of them. To read this article and more, visit afajournal.org. They should face some sort of consequences. At the very least, what you put on there should be true. And if it's not true, then it should be actionable. Major social media outlets are finding ways to block the conservative evangelical viewpoint. The American Family Association will no longer be canceled. Announcing AFA Streaming, our own video streaming platform, which will allow access to all AFA video content. AFA Streaming is now available. Learn more at AFA.net. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it time for open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also when you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. For the typical family, switching to MediShare saves about $500 a month, which is a game changer for a lot of people. 
think what you could do with that. But if you join right now, MediShare is waiving their new member fee. So that's another $170 you'll save. And MediShare is really different. It's a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills. More than 400,000 people are members, and they've shared over $4 billion in medical bills. So, yes, they can handle your bills, too. This may be the time to make the switch. Join before November 30th for the additional savings. It's so easy to find out more. They're great to talk to. In fact, you can get a price within two minutes. Here's the number. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. You know, what happened on the honeymoon once we became intimate, um, it was very clear that that something was not right. Today on Focus on the Family Minute, Rosie McKinney shares that she and her husband had only been married for eight days when she realized something was wrong. Her husband had a secret sin he was hiding, and here she talks about a turning point in their marriage. Edgy, critical, highly resentful. Um, Nothing satisfied him. You know, this was all my fault. And something rose up in me and went, no, I'm not doing this again. I know that there is nothing I can do that is going to make this better. He needs help. He needs help. And so I said to him, I, I love you and I love us too much, but you need help because you can have pornography or you can have me, but you cannot have both. Hear more from Rosie at familyminute.org. Back to The Awakening with Bishop E.W. Jackson on American Family Radio. So let's just chronicle this for a second and then I'll come to your calls. Kyle Rittenhouse is on trial for his life, for having defended his life. Okay? People who participated in the January 6th debacle, who committed no acts of violence at all, have been held incommunicado in Washington, D.C. since January the 6th. I mean, folks, what's wrong with this picture? A convicted felon who's now made an attempt on the lives of two police officers is served two years for, the, for almost killing one police officer, stabbing him six times, is out, and now attacks another police officer and doesn't even get bail. He is out in two or three days to roam the streets again, uh, as they put it, Oh, but of course, it's under supervision. Oh, yeah, that makes all the difference. And here's the piece de resistance. The FBI is now tagging parents for their terrorist threats. And the terrorist threat being showing up at a school board meeting and being irate about what your child's being taught. That's a terrorist threat now. So the FBI is taking this up and they're tagging the parents. And, and here's their statement in response to the criticism. A tag is merely a statistical tool to to track information for review and reporting. The creation of a threat tag in no way changes the longstanding requirements for opening an investigation, nor does it represent a shift in how the FBI prioritizes threats. The FBI has used tags to track everything from drug trafficking to human trafficking. How in the world does that make us feel better? That, oh yeah, you're only using a tool that you use not only for terrorists, you've used this for drug traffickers and human traffickers. And these parents are, that, that they fit into that category. Oh yeah. 
terrorists, human traffickers, drug traffickers. Of course, we've got to tag parents who dare speak up against what their children are being taught in public schools. Doesn't it give you the impression as well that there's something very seriously wrong in our criminal justice system, and it's not discrimination against people on the basis of their skin color, it's discrimination against people on the basis of their ideological perspective. 888-589-8840. Let's come to your calls. Haywood in Mississippi. Haywood, welcome. Well, thank you, and good afternoon, my friend. Pray for you every day. Thank you, Haywood. this, This is such a horrible attack on our military. And I would like to encourage everybody to call the congressman and senator and let them know what you think. And I got a question. Is this not a great threat to our national security? And I'll take the answer at all there. Thank you. Thank you, Haywood. Uh, I would I would echo that, Haywood. Yeah, people need to let their congressmen, let their senators know how upset you are about what is going on and this really draconian, ridiculous policy of punishing honorable, decent people in the military because they raise a religious objection to taking this shot. I mean, come on. And you're, you are absolutely right. I mean, absolutely right about that. And thank you for the call. Hey, with something, something has got to be done. Something has got to be done. Cause this is, this is, I mean, it, it, as far as I'm concerned, it's a national disgrace to be doing that. 888-589-8840 is the number. Let's go to Todd, also in Mississippi. Todd, welcome. Todd, are you there? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Sorry about that. I think I had the, the mute or something on. That's God bless okay. you, uh, Bishop Jackson, Semper Fi Marine. May God reward you richly for what you do for our nation, your leadership, and your, your call to the Holy Spirit service. We love you. I wanted to comment on uh, the same same thing the previous caller was talking about, um, the shot mandate as it relates to our military. First, I commend you and Matt Staver and Abe Hamilton and everybody else that stands behind our military and the rest of the country for what they're doing against this egregious mandate. But I, I must assert that we have all, all of us who stand on the side of good and hate what is evil, we must get our terminology correct. When we say that our military members who refuse to shot face dishonorable discharge, that is blatantly untrue. The only entity that can award a dishonorable discharge is a general court-martial. The president can't do that. They can convene a general court, but there is no instance anywhere where that court is being convened. Those courts are convened for felonies. And the reason we've got to get our terminology correct is that we will be accused of being sensationalist and our credibility will be on the line. What well, Todd, say, hold on. Now, Todd, let me just ask you. You seem to know something about this. I don't know what your background is, but the threats we've heard, uh, because, of course, there have been articles in which the president has said he will not in any way intervene because he still is the commander in chief. And I guess the implementation of policies whether those policies are executed or not are up to him. Are you saying that they don't have the ability then to reduce someone to a, a general discharge? In other words, discharge that is less than honorable without a full court martial? That is correct. There are six types of separation, six characterizations. 
three of them are administrative. There's honorable, general under honorable, and other than honorable. The president or any general officer can award those. And the ones that are in jeopardy now by not taking the shot, what they really face are the general under honorable separation, which has okay. Now, 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 women. So, how do you know that it's general uh, under honorable? Because it could be another administrative is general, general less than honorable. Correct. Uh, it's called other than honorable. Other than honorable. So, so, so that that is available. See, because look, you may be right about the dishonorable discharge, but I'm concerned that any discharge for other than honorable service is a stigma that applies to you for the rest of your life. And you just said that that is available under an administrative process, which is, I take it less than a full blown court martial. So, um, so Todd, Todd, I agree with you. We want to be precise and we want to make sure that we're being accurate. But what we do know is that our military is being grossly mistreated here and I don't think that's sensational to say. But, hey, Todd, thank you so much for the call, brother. Appreciate it. God bless you. Let's go to uh, Lindsay in Virginia. Lindsay, welcome. Hi there, Mr. Jackson. How are you today? I am blessed, Lindsay. How are you? Awesome. I'm doing really well. I'm, uh, I'm out here in Virginia. I listen to your show on the way back from my job every day. I'm a well, 30-year-old mom of two, two little boys. Um, and married, married lady to two little boys. Um, but I I really love your program. And I wanted to piggyback off of some of the points that has been made thus far about the military being given the, the jab and all that. Um, in my job, they've said, Hey, if you've already gotten this done, go on ahead and upload your vaccine card, all that good stuff, but they're not really telling us to get it yet. My company does have more than 100 employees. Um, And I just wanted to know your thoughts on, uh, you know, if you think the same thing as some of the the community members here, which is we should be practicing civil disobedience, essentially. And if, if we don't, if we're in a place where nobody outright tells us put on a mask or outright tells us, get the shot or anything like that, then we shouldn't be doing so. And I just kind of want to know your thoughts on that. You know, I know when you use the term civil disobedience, maybe it sounds aggressive, but it's really not. It's just, hey, I'm not going to do this unless you, you know, force force me down and, right. and hold me to it kind of thing. <laughs> right, right. Hey, Lindsay, uh, thank you so much for the call. God bless you. Um, I, I would say this. I don't wear a mask anywhere unless I'm required to. Uh, I, I haven't thought of it as civil disobedience. Just think of it as my individual choice, which I have a right to make. Um, and my wife and I have made the decision that we're not getting the vaccine because we've had COVID. And we are confident based on our research and doctors we've talked to that our immunity is better than the, the immunity offered by these shots. And so we're not going to be forced. Now, now look, some may say, well, that's easy to say. I'm not in the military. I don't work for a company that has more than 100 employees, and I'm not being commanded to do this. Uh, But I'll tell you, folks, those who know me would tell you, even if I were in those circumstances, the fight would be on. (laughs) Because 
there is a principle at stake here, and I think that if we continue to surrender it, we're going to find ourselves one day in a position where we have no individual liberties left. You all remember uh, uh, John Peter Gabriel, Gabriel Muhlenberg, who ultimately became an adjutant general under George Washington. He was a preacher uh, in um, Woodstock, uh, Virginia, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was Woodstock. And he gave that great sermon out of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. There's a time of peace and for peace and a time for war. And one of the things he said in that sermon was, if we do not stand up for our liberty, there will soon be no liberty left to stand up for. And I believe the same thing is true here. And so, yeah, I, I think you can call it civil disobedience or however people choose to characterize it. But I think it's time for Americans to assert our individual liberty given to us by Almighty God, secured by the Constitution of the United States, and say to government, you work for us, not the other way around, this far, no further. We're not backing up. You need to back up and stay within your constitutionally prescribed limits. So I think that probably answers the question from where I stand, Lindsay. Uh, let's see. We're short on time, but let's see if we can get Jane. Got a lot of Mississippi calls today. Jane, you're the last up. Welcome. Jane, are you there? I guess Jane is gone. And there goes my music. So, Jane, you wouldn't have had you wouldn't have time to have had time to say much anyway. So call me back at another time. We'll make sure we get you on. Uh, well, folks, that's going to do it for today. Wow. Uh, uh, we covered a lot of, of important ground today. And I want to thank you all for, for weighing in with what little time we had for your questions. Uh, let's see. We will be back tomorrow. And let me see if I can quickly tell you, because I know I've got, I've got guests coming this entire week. And let's see. Tomorrow is Thursday. Um, oh, my goodness. You know what? I've, I've got an important guest tomorrow. We'll leave it at that. In the meantime, remember that we cannot be defeated if we will not quit because we are on God's side. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.